You're listening to Everlasting Fruit with B. Charles. The purpose of this podcast is to encourage you to seek God daily. It's about learning to be intentional in our walk with the Lord by remaining rooted in Christ. It's about reading to know and love God's Word. It's about producing fruit that brings glory to God. It's a journey of growth and everlasting fruitfulness. Join me weekly so that together we can draw encouragement from the Word of God. I pray that the Lord will use this podcast to move you to seek Him daily for every day and for every area of your lives. Let's get into it. Happy Easter weekend, ladies. If you don't reflect on the death and resurrection of Jesus often, this weekend is a good time to reflect on the work that He did for us on the cross. You see, in the Garden of Eden, humanity, yes, those two, Adam and his wife Eve, decided to rebel against God. They were given a command and they chose to follow the suggestions of the slithering snake, Satan. We all know how the devil likes to work. The thing you have been instructed to stay away from is the very thing that he will bring to tempt you with. Listen, when the devil is tempting you with all kinds of sweet things and great promises, whatever it is, seek God. It's okay to come before the Lord to tell him, I feel like giving in to this. Please, Lord, help me. And then refrain from being in the company of the temptation itself or watching that show that tempts you, or even thinking about it. Think about things that are honorable to the Lord, because what you think about becomes you. And you end up doing what is deeply embedded in your heart. There are some temptations that are not so obvious. So pray for the Lord to reveal his will about them. When Jesus was tempted, He told Satan, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus was able to give his answer because he believed God's word wholeheartedly. When you believe that the word of God is life, is food, is inerrant and provides sustenance, You can boldly stand before your greatest enemy. You can stand boldly, even when facing death, because you believe with every fiber of your being that what God says is true, whether you see it or it has not come to pass yet. When you live on every word of God, you are convinced about the inerrancy of his word. A woman who is ready to die for what she believes cannot be persuaded otherwise. That's our goal, ladies. That's our goal. So when humanity rebelled, God was gracious and loving enough to show us how deep we were in sin bondage. This was demonstrated in our inability to stay away from sin and remaining faithful to him. If you're not visualizing this yet, ladies, Just go back to Genesis and start going through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, 
Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, all those stories, you can see that God was extremely gracious. We could not be made right without his intervention. We see the story of the Israelites unfold from beginning to the very end. Humans are totally depraved. Humans will reject God, even if he was right in front of them, because he did not fit into the God they wanted for themselves. And God, knowing that mankind would reject him, loved us too much to just leave us to perish without providing us an avenue of life with him, an everlasting fellowship with him, without providing a personal and close relationship with him. What happened in the Garden of Eden, it calls the distance. And so we see the salvation of the Lord throughout scripture for his people who are hard in the heart, people who are constantly rejecting him, people who are given instructions, given commands, and statutes and principles to follow, yet they break them repeatedly. We see them chase after foreign gods and reject the Lord. God showed us in his word that we cannot be right without him. We cannot be good without him. What we understand as good does not translate as what is good to him. For example, God in his goodness and faithfulness brought the Israelites to a land that did not belong to them. And he commanded them to annihilate the population there. Why? He did not want his people to mix with idol worshipers because he knew they would be corrupted and turned away from the Lord. This may look evil, but it is the love of a father that sees danger ahead of his children and gives them instructions on how to protect themselves against it. Don't worry, they didn't listen. And they mingled and tangled and were tainted and led astray. And a lot of times we go through this ourselves. The Lord puts in our heart and our spirit not to do something. We ignore that warning and we mingle and tangle and are tainted until we're led astray. The consequences of that are that God hates evil. So In this situation, the Israelites, they overestimated their capacity and we overestimate our capacity. We quickly forget who brought us through the tough times. We quickly forget that God is our savior. He's our creator. And the Israelites quickly forgot who brought them to the promised land. And when they stopped prospering, Because, of course, they overestimated their capacity. They thought they were prospering because they worked so hard, because they have the capacity and ability to do the things that they were doing in order to prosper. They forgot that in Deuteronomy, the Lord warned them that if they reject him, he's going to remove his hand from them and their enemies will crush them. They will not prosper. But they forgot this. They forgot who brought them to that promised land. They forgot who initiated their prosperity, their peace. And so the Lord, he halted his hand against their enemies and their enemies prevailed against them and were taken into captivity. Not all suffering is bad. 
If pain and suffering will make you remember your God, then so be it. Because clearly, comfort and riches makes us deny God, makes us reject God. There are some people who seek God fervently only when they are going through trials. Don't let that be your lot. And then there are people who reject God completely when they start to suffer. I hope that is not you. Because even in your suffering, God is still God and God's will will prevail. So come back to the Lord. Present yourself before him. Give him your suffering and let him help you. Let him be your strength. Let him be what sustains you through the process of what you're going through. Anyway, let's go back to the Israelites. In their captivity, they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord remembered them and saved them again. And of course, as time went on, they relied on the law. But the law did not stop them from giving in to their fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of their desires and thoughts and hardened hearts. All the while, God was telling them about the future work he had in store for humanity. In Ezekiel 36, God promised to give Israel a new heart and put a new spirit within them. In verse 26 to 27 specifically, he tells them that he would give them a new heart and put a new spirit in within them, that he would remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. The heart of stone is a hardened heart towards God, a stubborn heart, a heart that rejects God and is disobedient, a heart that is completely depraved. Stone cannot absorb any new thing, cannot learn new ways. A stone is a stone and will be a stone unless it is crushed into powder. A heart of flesh is a heart that is moved towards God, a renewed heart, a transformed heart, a heart that is receptive to the Lord's instruction and the Lord's influence. Are you receptive to the Lord's influence? This promise of a new heart is a foretelling of Jesus' work on the cross. For us to have a new spirit also, we need to be spiritually born again. All the blood that was shed from the sacrifices that were given to the Lord for sin offerings were not sufficient to cleanse the sin of mankind. As you're aware, this was a process that was done repeatedly by the priests in the Old Testament. So God sent his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was a sin offering for all mankind. He was the sacrificial lamb with no blemish whose blood healed and cleansed all humanity from their sin. He was an offering who took on the sin of all people to redeem them for the Lord. He was the one who stood in our place to replace our wrath we so deserved, to give us salvation, to bring us back to the Lord, to present us before our creator clean and without blemish. 
He is the one who defends us as the accuser points out our sins and disobedience. Jesus justifies us. In other words, justice is served because Jesus paid the price with his life for our sake. And it didn't end there. Well, at least that's what Satana, that slithering snake, was hoping for. He thought death on the cross was the end. And do you know what this also teaches us? That the devil does not know everything. He's not omniscient because he couldn't predict that Jesus was going to rise again. We have hope in this, that Jesus died for our sins and reconciled us and brought us back in sweet fellowship with our God. He tore the veil that held us back from God. There was no longer the distance. Remember, with Adam, that sin created a distance. But with Jesus, that distance was torn away. We were now brought close. Paul writes in Romans 5 verses 6 to 10, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? So ladies, Jesus died. It didn't end there. His death paid the price for our sin, but something was happening in the spirit realm while he was presumed dead. I want to bring you back to God's command in the Garden of Eden. He told them, if they eat the fruit from the tree of life, they will surely die. When they ate it and they believed the devil, there was a death in the spirit of man. His heart was hardened against God. His heart was turned against God. He was evil. He was dead in his trespasses. That's why God promised a new heart and a new spirit. Listen, when a man dies, not just a man, when people die, the doctors can keep their bodies alive or by, you know, providing oxygen to the body to preserve the organs for other people who need it. So the spirit of man is gone while the body is kept alive. So God had to give us a new spirit in Christ Jesus. Because the spirit without Christ is contaminated. It is hardened. It is stubborn. It is dead. Sin is rebellion against God. Disobedience is refusing to do the will of God. And the wages of sin is death. This happened after the fall of man. And so how do we get this spirit? How do we come back alive so that we can live with God again 
in that close fellowship with him that he intended for us in the beginning. How do we live forever again? Because through Adam's disobedience, we became sinners. And so likewise, Jesus' obedience made us righteous. So sisters, to live again, we must be born again. So on that third day, when it seemed like all hope was lost, some women returned to the tomb to complete the burial preparation of the body. You see, when Jesus died, it was getting close to the time of the Sabbath and they could not do the work. So they wrapped him and put him in the tomb. They didn't do the necessary preparations to the body of Jesus for burial. That's why on the first day of the week, Sunday morning, they came to the tomb with spices to complete the custom. But they were met by angels. Soon they would discover that their hope is not dead. The angels asked them in Luke 24 verse 5, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus was not dead. He lives. Jesus resurrected that through him, we would be born again. Through him, we would receive the new spirit. Through him, we would be given a new heart. When Jesus died and uttered, it is finished, he finished the race. He accomplished what he was sent to do. He reconciled us to God. Death was finished. We will live in Christ and with Christ forevermore. We are new creations. We are born again and only through Jesus, can we live again? We have been set free. Jesus is alive. We live again. What a wonderful love our Lord has for us. He initiated our salvation. If you do not reflect on the death and resurrection of Christ often, this weekend is a good time to reflect on the work he did for us on the cross. The work of God for us did not start at Jesus's birth. It started from the very beginning. The world may have tried to embed pagan practices into the Easter celebration. And you know, this is the tendency of us Christians sometimes in that when we are teaching the word of God, when we are trying to lead those that are in the world that do not know Christ, when we're trying to bring them to the knowledge of Christ, we try to make it more palatable, more acceptable for the world. We try to add worldly character, if you say, to the things of God. Like who is the Easter bunny? Bunnies don't even eat eggs. Why are they even grouped together? <laughs> or oh, how the celebration of Jesus's birth became about Santa Claus. And honestly, I fell for this. I stopped celebrating all the Christian holidays because when you do your research, you find them embedded in all these pagan practices and how those pagan practices infiltrated the church and I wanted no parts in them. But I remember explaining to my son why we do not celebrate Halloween. And he said, well, we need to have something we celebrate for God. And he was right. This world wants to take everything, but we have reasons to celebrate God. You can look at the many types of celebration and feasts that were had in the Bible and follow them 
or you can take the time away to reflect and be grateful that we have been loved this much to be given a new life in Jesus. This weekend, we're going to be thankful for Jesus. We'll reflect on our salvation and the heavy price that he paid for us to be saved. We're going to be thankful that God initiated all the work for our salvation. Jesus completed the assignment and paid the price paid the wages of our sins. We are going to celebrate the resurrection of our King Jesus. We are going to enjoy it to the fullest because we no longer need to strive or fight or work hard to do things right. We no longer have to follow strict rules in order to be clean or right with God. We have a new heart and new spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We've been graced with forgiveness and mercy of our sins. And we know we are no longer dead in our trespasses. We live with Christ forevermore and Jesus declared, it is finished. Let me end with this reminder. If you want to reflect on your salvation, this chapter hits the spot. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9, Paul captured God's inspiration this way. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no man can boast. God did it all so that no one can say, I am righteous, I am pious because I do everything right. No, it is not by your efforts, it is not by your works, but by faith through Christ and by grace that we were saved. May the grace of God be with you. May you have the peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray that you may send your requests to the Lord so that your anxious hearts may be quieted. I pray that you may rejoice always in the Lord and may all who are around you experience your gentleness and may they know that you are the Lord's. Happy Easter, ladies. Our Lord lives. Until the next time, God bless.